Welcome to Her Dark Materials. I'm Faye. Hi. And I'm Rachel. Hello. This is usually a podcast where we're reading through and discussing Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials novels, a chapter at a time, spoiler free. But in this very special episode, we are interviewing Simone Kirby, who plays Mary Malone in the His Dark Materials TV series. Beware, this episode is not spoiler free, as we do talk to Simone about things that happen in the Amber Spyglass. So if you haven't read the first trilogy, I would recommend that you do that before you listen to this interview. Oh my gosh, I am so excited for you all to listen to this interview. Simone is the loveliest person. She really is. I love how all of these interview episodes start the same way. We're just like, I'm so excited for you to hear it. They're so lovely. But you know, Rach is not wrong. Simone was so much fun to talk to. And we knew that she would be because we follow her on social media and she's hilarious. So we knew that she was going to have a lot of great opinions and just be a really nice person. And we were not disappointed. She's so great. And just had so much to say about our favourite books and our favourite TV series. It was lovely. It was so lovely. And I feel like right now I'm depriving you of spending time with Simone Kirby and her amazing voice that hugs your ears so perfectly (laughs) oh my god this might be the the quickest little intro that we've done so far to an interview just like we have nothing to tell you (laughs) get to it she's great (laughs) just get to it get to it and we hope you enjoy it so yes without further ado here is our interview with simone kirby your mary malone yay yay Hello, Simone. Thank you so much for joining us. No problem. Hello. (laughs) Hi. We are very excited to have you. Um, You have two big Mary Malone fans, and now after seeing you in season two, two big Simone Kirby fans too. So yeah, we really appreciate your time. (laughs) Good, good. No, I've I've heard a couple of the, the podcasts. They're great. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yes, our listeners are very excited to hear from you. (laughs) We've got lots of great questions from them. Okay. (laughs) Definitely. We know that you were a fan of the books before. Can you tell us like your journey with the series and how that started? Um, So yeah, I read the books years ago. Um, Really similar to Lynn, funny. I've, I've heard Lynn talk about how him and his wife just started dating they read them together actually me and my husband sort of did the same thing we were really new in our relationship and we read the books together as well so very similar so it's weird that we both ended up in the show and uh I didn't know a first series had been made I don't know how I missed that news but I did (laughs) and then I was here one day in I guess the beginning of the summer in in 2019 and I got a call to ask would I do a quick tape for his art materials and I was thinking oh god which character and then they said it was series two <laughs> and I thought what I didn't know they'd made a first series this is amazing um and then yeah I just sent off a quick tape and because the books are so huge and I knew from from then googling that the tv show I I, I sort of was like oh I, I'd love to play this part but and then a week later yeah my agent just called me and said yeah they're offering it to you and I had a little cry. (laughs) 
my husband thought someone was dead because the first <laughs> the first thing I said was no and then I started crying and then uh, he looked at me like are you okay is somebody dead and I said no I got the part oh. so yeah <laughs> I don't usually get that super excited but for this one I was very excited <laughs> how was that for you the process of like kind of coming into this show that was already one season filmed well we I, we started filming before the first season aired so I had no which is good I had no idea then what the fans thought of the show because it hadn't aired yet or what they were going to think of the show and I hadn't seen anybody's performances yet so I it was it was fine and then while we were filming they they premiered the first season so as we were filming but we were towards we were in the last couple of months of filming by the time everybody was watching but I remember thinking oh wow this is this is really good I was and then I was very happy <laughs> um but you know I knew from the cast list that it was going to be a great show I had seen Daphne before in in Logan and I thought she was the perfect Lyra so that's a plus yeah so I knew it was a great cast so so it sounded like it was quite a quick audition process was it just the one self-tip yeah, it was just the one, which is for so many, because obviously there's BBC and HBO and everyone has to okay it. And there's a few producers and um, I'm not sure if Philip is a part of that process, but he might be. Um, and there's two directors. And so so there's a lot of people to say yes. So I kind of thought, oh, you know, there'll probably be like four callbacks if, if you know, and there wasn't. It was just really, really quick. I like that though. Decisive. It's good. <laughs> I prefer that. It gives you more confidence when you enter a gig knowing that, you know, they haven't finally gone, okay, her. You know, when it's a really quick process, it gives you much more confidence when you walk in. And they're waiting around as well for, like, news like that. Nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So how did you prepare for the role of Mary? Because she's an iconic character and there must have been pressure on you to kind of feel like you were portraying her in a way that the fans would like. Yeah. Um. Well, I reread the books. I mean, that's the source material. So I, I just read them and thought about them a lot and read the scripts. And and then anything, I talked to the writing team a lot as the process went on because I would always come back to the books and, and say, well, actually, in Amber Spyglass, this happens. So I don't no, can we go this way? Like I was always seeing her entire journey and trying to stay as close to the books as possible. Um, I didn't, in terms of research, look, I can't study quantum physics in the space of a few weeks before I start filming. So that part of it, I just had to um, trust. Uh, There's a guy called Mog, who's one of the script editors and he's, his background was science. So I talked to him a lot. Um, and then I had to learn how to do the I Ching as well. Um, so I, I, I watched a lot of videos and took a lot of notes on that as well. So, um, but that was it really. And then just, just rereading the books and, and the scenes. And I always do a, um, like a spreadsheet of all of the scenes and, and, and try to map out somebody's emotional journey and where the turning points are and where they, where I think they might make their decisions and, and, and then tick them off as we film them and, which sounds pretty anal actually (laughs) we love the spreadsheet here (laughs) i'm a nerd (laughs) we love it we love a nerd here don't worry you're in good company (laughs) was there anything that you found that you ended up doing on set before a scene that helped you kind of get into that mary headspace like 
snaffle a packet of crisps like she does on <laughs> in the show or like eat another pastry drink a cold <laughs> cup of coffee <laughs> Uh, no, I, 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 I'm not with Mary. Sometimes with other characters, I'm there, you know, and especially I worked for years in theatre and, and if you had to go on in the middle of the show and do an emotional scene, you might pop in a pair of headphones and listen to something, you know. But with Mary, um, no. I, I, there was nothing in particular other than just looking through the the script and the maybe going back to the, that scene in the books again and um talking to the directors and uh, and then and and that's it really there was there was nothing in particular that i had to do to try and get into the character she's she's not one of those that's very very hard to relate to is she she's quite <laughs> easy to click into that you know person's headspace i think one of the things that we and we know a lot of our listeners really liked about your portrayal of mary was and I've said this so many times, but like the kindness and warmth that, that you brought to Mary, like I think everybody in the world that watches Dark Materials now wants a hug from you. <laughs> so I hope you're prepared for that when COVID goes away, because I think... Yeah, after COVID, I will hug anyone. <laughs> We're all deprived of hugs at the moment. So we were wondering, because obviously Mary in the books, she does have a kindness and a warmth. And we were wondering, where did the inspiration come from to play her in that way? Because I feel like, personally, Mary's one of my favourite characters. And to see her on screen like that, it, it was very emotional for a lot of people to see how warm and kind you were portraying her. I was wondering where you drew that from. I think when you when you read all the scripts and um, and you sort of see where your character needs what your character needs to what color they need to be in the show do you know what I mean all the other characters even the ones who are good there there is always a history to the character that has made them guarded maybe while with Mary even though she has you know her own her own past and her own issues and history but there's there's nothing very guarded about her and I and I wanted to make sure that she was approachable because Lyra comes into her office and any normal scientist in an Oxford college would say, get out of my office. But but Mary doesn't. So there has to be something about her that's just very, very warm and approachable. Otherwise, that scene with Lyra would never happen. So if that's where we're starting from, then then that's who she needs to be. Someone that a child can walk in and talk about being from another world and the adults won't, you know, call the police. <laughs> <laughs> How was that experience for you getting in there and acting with Daphne and with a lot of the younger cast members? How was it fitting into that group of actors that had all known each other for probably about a year before you got in there and then just working out that lovely chemistry that you had on the screen? Well, we, we've, you know, we film everything sort of backwards. The first kids that I worked with were Bella and Ella. Um, I did the first... The very first scene I did was on my own in Oxford. And then the second scene that I did, the first scene in in, in Cardiff, was when I meet the girls in Chittagatsi. So they were nervous. I, I, was, I don't think it was their first day, but it was pretty early on in the filming process as well for them. Um, and so we just had some fun, got to know each other. They're lovely, lovely girls. And then by the time I got to work with Daphne, we were a little bit further on. Um, and I had sort of met her, we had introduced ourselves at the base and, um, 
I just really enjoyed. So the the first day I think I worked with Daphne was with Leanne, if I'm right, and it was episode maybe three or four, I guess. And Maria, her mum, is just because she's an actress too. She's she knows you know she's very comfortable on set, and they're super chatty and lovely and open and. I had a great time with them. And even, you know, when we were sort of bumping into each other, like I would call in and, and sit in Daphne's trailer and have lunch with Maria once, twice. You know, it was it was just very friendly and lovely. They're just adorable. All the kids are gorgeous. I met Amir, never got to work with Amir, but, but, but got to meet him lots as well. Yeah, they do such an amazing job. One thing that we have to ask you about, and I'm sure that you saw this come in, is the scene between Mary and Mrs. Coulter yeah. <laughs> and they're like amazing fan reaction to that and we saw on twitter that you learned a new word in the term ship and... <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> how do you feel about that because for us that was a really the scene in itself i feel like there's two sides to it because the scene in itself was really special because it's obviously not something that we get in the books mm-hmm. it's really interesting to see two women so you've got mary and mrs coulter and from different worlds and how different women have been treated in both of those worlds and then the other side of it is the amazing like queer shipping that's come out of it and yeah. all these like amazing drawings of like um there's a one that's like mary and the monkey putting like the monkey's picture on the fridge <laughs> and all that. it's so cute how has that experience been for you well, see i wasn't sure and i still am and if if uh, if that's just me and ruth or marissa and mary or does that happen with everyone Does that happen with all the witches as well? I don't really know. It's interesting because I think that scene specifically spurred the most of that that we've seen, I think, this season. (laughs) Well, I'm (laughs) honoured. I think Mary is like that kind of character anyway. um, So I'm not I'm not surprised. But at the same time, I, I thought I knew that they'd be excited that Mary and Marissa got to meet. I was excited because I'm a fan of the books. I was like, oh my God, these two get to meet. That's great. Um, didn't see the shipping coming. Um, <laughs> and I've, it's just hilarious. It's just really funny. And the artwork is incredible. Oh, yeah. Like, so yes. <laughs> the fan art is so good. These are like really, really good artists. I'm loving it. I've no idea. Uh, Ruth isn't on Twitter. I've no idea if Ruth is even aware of it. <laughs> Uh, I'd like to think that she is, but who knows? <laughs> she will be. She, yes. <laughs> um, what was it like to work with Ruth then on that scene? Because like I said, the other side of that scene was uh, special to a lot of people just in the sense of, I suppose, seeing how these two women have been uh, existing in different worlds and how the patriarchy has affected both of them in different ways. How was it to film that scene? Uh, great. I, I, I was really looking forward. I, I've seen Ruth in lots of things and I was looking forward to working with her anyway. But also just, um, yeah, putting these two characters together in a scene and just, well, let's see how this works. How is this going to play out? And it became really apparent that both of us, I had been filming, you know, a lot with Robin, who plays Oliver, and I had been doing other scenes that were mostly about, like, funding and Mary's <laughs> losing her funding. And we'd done lots of that stuff. So when Mrs. Coulter comes in, she's literally from another world and not in the same way that Lyra is. You know, Lyra is this like kind of strange kid. But Mrs. Coulter is is such a different person and from such a different world and is buttoned up in a whole different way. 
that we became aware that even our acting styles were quite different. Like I was playing everything like really informally and like, you, you know, moving around the office and grabbing the coffee pot and do, doing all these things. And, and, and Ruth, which probably, you know, worked for her, you know, bristles because this is, for Marissa, a woman being this confident and informal and relaxed is different. Um, and and we kind of had a laugh about it. We were like, wow, this the, our acting styles are really different because the world that I'm in is just this, the stakes aren't quite as high, <laughs> you know. I don't even know there are other worlds. <laughs> I think we commented in one of the podcasts, it's like Oliver just hasn't got the memo that he's in a fantasy novel yet. <laughs> the no, scenes with him no. are just so like average and it's great. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's perfect. Yeah, he needs to open his mind if he wants to go to Chittagatsi. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Speaking of Chittagatsi, how we know that they put so much into the sets and especially in the Cardiff sets, like we hear, we've heard so much about how amazing it was. And how was that experience for you as a fan of the books, getting to like physically step into another world, not just the Oxford that we know exists already? Yeah, it was, it was amazing. The first scene, like I said, that I did with, with the girls, that was actually an indoor. They, so they built some of Chittagatsi in an, in the studio. And that was where, Lyra and Will stay that little house with that little kind of tree in the square and I thought that was incredible I remember walking around being like oh my god and and the building itself that Lyra and Will stay in has three floors of all of these cute little beds and sofas (laughs) it's like oh my god this is I want to holiday here this is incredible and then I saw the outdoor one and it was it just blew my mind like the detail in all of the little shops you go into the shops and they're like real shops with produce. It was it was incredible that the amount of detail they'd done and and the little bits of artwork in the iron, you know, in front of windows was made because you can see like angel wings or or, or other little bits that are references to to the town. Like it had its own history in the artwork that's all around the town. It's oh my god, it was just beautiful, really stunning. I was there with my backpack, literally walking around and the, and the props department kept saying to me, so we'd finish a scene and they go, do you want, do you want us to take the bag back? And I was like, no, no, no. I just wanted to keep up. So I was literally walking around with the backpack when they were setting up for the next shot, just like, oh my God. On, on the backpack, we absolutely loved how prepared Mary was for her, her adventure. It, was so great. We compared it a lot, like, and again, in, in contrast to Mrs. Coulter, like, you see Mrs. Coulter go through to Chittagatse, and I think Boreal's carrying, like, one bag or something, or, like, she's got nothing, and then Mary goes in with, like, a big backpack with all the, like, Tupperware and her food in it, and I was just like... Yeah. Oh, they actually had in the, some, like, I don't know, Marks and Spencer's um, sandwiches in a thing, and, and I, <laughs> I had to say to them, guys, this is way too much plastic for Mary. Mary, Mary would not have this much plastic. She would have made her own sandwich. <laughs> so they, so they actually got me a Tupperware box because I literally didn't want suddenly Mary sitting there surrounded by plastic. You're thinking, I hope she finds a bin for that. <laughs> um, but so we, we we talked a bit about that. But she, yeah, she also has this the the same bars that she gives to her niece and nephew. Those are the bars that she gives to um, 
the two girls as well. So the, that was a nice little tie-in. They had a scene that we never got to see, which is Mary packing her bag. Oh, I would love to have <sighs> seen that. <laughs> yeah. she, she bought this big eating box then we were like she's she's throwing the last few bits and bobs in and then she like has so in the first scene where i entered chitagatsi i have the bag on my back but i also have the big eating box wrapped in a scarf because we literally when we were packing the bag scene i was like i can't squeeze this in <laughs> i just i just grab it in a scarf and try and figure out how she <laughs> goes to another world with the eating box <laughs> we loved Mary's relationship with her niece and nephew and how we got to see this like woman that's clearly at a point in her life where she's probably chosen not to have kids of her own and she's got this like amazing career that she's got and again with that comparison to Mrs Coulter and their own trajectories but we really love to see somebody that appears at least to have chosen not to have kids but is really great with kids it's not because she doesn't like them it's she's great with kids and that warmth and that kind of like maternal affection that comes from her without being a mother. I mean, I wondered if that was something that you also felt was underrepresented on screen, because we know that we haven't necessarily seen as many of those characters as we'd like to see. Weirdly, this was something that I was asked before, maybe about a different character, I can't remember, but it sort of struck me as odd, but it's because it's not represented enough on screen but for me, in my life, I have lots of um, family members, lots of friends who, for one reason or another, whether it's because they tried and can't or chose not to or just never um, found someone they wanted to do it with or, or whatever, for whatever reason, aren't mums. And they are amazing with kids. And there's this idea <laughs> that in order to be maternal, you have to be a mother, which is ridiculous because some of the least maternal people in the world have spawned kids. You know, they're dreadful mothers. And some of the people who are the most empathetic, wonderful people don't have kids. So it makes total sense to me that Mary is amazing with kids because she has empathy and she has a really strong, caring instinct. But she just, yeah, for, for whatever reason, she doesn't have sometimes people have more patience with kids when they don't have kids <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know they're not exhausted <laughs> it was definitely something that meant a lot to me personally as a person that doesn't want kids but I also have a niece and I am very good with kids and we were talking to a like a few of our listeners that said the same thing it's so underrepresented and it's so it was just so lovely to see it on screen yeah. And there, there's there's something that's attributed to women as well who, who decide they don't want to have kids, which is hmm, there must be a bit of coldness there. You know, why would you not want to procreate? And it's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, I could go on all night about that. But but yeah, it's it's it's, it's lovely to play a character like Mary, who isn't also a lot of the characters that I would be asked to do or read for are sidelined characters because they're women in their 40s who have kids and the lead characters have to be the kids. Can't possibly be the mums because their whole lives surely must be about their children because it's women can't have, you know, their own thing going on. Once they have kids, that's it, you're done. So, it's, so there's an awful lot go, going on that, that yeah bothers me about how women are represented either when they have kids or when they don't have kids on, on screen so someone like Mary is it's a 
gift. Yeah, absolutely. Now that season three has been officially confirmed, <laughs> what are you most looking forward to doing? If we think about the books and Mary has like such a journey, especially in The Other Spyglass, what are you most looking forward to within that Mary's journey? Uh, well, obviously, I can't wait to see what they do with them, Leafa. I, I mean, I've, I've no idea. I tried to get it out of them. Um, there's, there seemed to be between Jane and Russell and Joel, there seemed to be like three people who were already thinking very differently. Like Joel was like, I have it sorted. I know what I'm doing. Jane was like, I've, I've, I've no idea. I, I've no idea. And then, and then Russell was somewhere in between like, oh, we can't quite do this. That's not quite going to work, but we might need to do a bit of this. And I was like, you guys need, need to get together. <laughs> um, so I can't wait. I can't wait to see and uh, what they come up with. And it, there will be a lot of me acting with um, puppets, I guess. I don't really know. Actors in green bobbly outfits I've no idea <laughs> is that something that you're looking forward to because I know a lot of the other actors who have demons or characters who have demons got to do loads of interacting with puppets and for some of them it was their first time and I know that you've got a lot of experience in theatre I didn't know if that was something you've got a lot of experience of in your past of working with puppets and if it's something you're looking forward to doing again potentially um, well this one's going to be a bit different because they don't speak the same language so um that's all to be figured out. <laughs> oh my god! Um, yeah, learn. So not just communicating with the puppets, but but having to figure out how they communicate with each other and how much can be done with with gesture and eye contact and all of that has to be has to be figured out and played with. I'm looking forward. To, yeah, I'm looking forward to um, yeah playing around and figuring it out. And then there's there's other stuff like further along in the series in the books that I'm looking forward to too that I guess I don't want to say too much about in case people haven't read the books we always warn people that interviews are they are not spoiler free <laughs> we can't promise that because we're too excited to talk about further down the line <laughs> right so right well, well when, when the others arrive I'm looking forward to all those scenes as well because there will be a lot of me on my own I guess as well which I it's it's nice but it's also nice to have people <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> has your experience of playing mary impacted or enhanced your experience of, of the books like do you think after season three is done and after we've, we've finished mary's journey do you think you would go back and, and read the books again like do you see it being the same kind of relationship that you had before you started playing mary i'd probably wait a long time before going back to read them again um because it would it would be all about the show, I think, not just about Mary, but I'd I'd just be thinking of everybody in the characters. Maybe, you know, much further down the line, it might be interesting to read them again. But it's very hard to disassociate now the, the show for, and the scripts. from. Sometimes I, I can't remember what was in the book and what was in the scripts. Uh, so, like, even when we were filming, I, I'd read a scene and go, is this in the books? And I have to go back and read. And when I see people online talking about like I, I saw a few things that I was tagged in which was um Mary never went to the Malifa world and I'm like guys that's in book three <laughs> you know or or they say like she's not supposed to go to Chittagatti and I'm like but she did because she had to pass through to get to the Malifa world so so there's there, there, there's a lot for everyone I think of this mishmash of the show and the books now which is interesting 
Yeah, I certainly know the three books, or at the very least, the second two books have very much blended into one in my head from having read it so many times that when season two finished, I was like, I mean, is that where it ended? It it must be, sure. (laughs) Yeah. And for people who who watch the show and haven't read the books, they must just think, well, Mary just ended up walking around with a backpack. <laughs> like, she wasn't important in the end. <laughs> you know? So they have pulled on and hopefully watch season three. Yeah, if it had have ended, like if season three had not been commissioned, that would have oh, been... Oh God, terrible. Did yeah. you leave her at a waterfall? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Bye, Mary. <laughs> oh. But yeah, it's interesting. Um, so I only read the books um, a couple of years ago now. I think it was 2019 when I read them. Wow. Yeah, I, it was Rich that got me to read them. She was like, why haven't you read these books? And I was like, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's interesting for me because uh, I read them once and then I'm reading them again for the podcast and I have a terrible, terrible memory. So like when I'm watching the TV show, a lot of it's like feels like it's new to me, because even though it's in the books. Like I'm always saying to Rich, I'm like, is that did this happen in the book does that happen in the book so and I'm, I'm always really certain and then I usually end up being wrong so I'm, I'm like yeah that definitely <laughs> happens it didn't <laughs> so. yeah it's kind of, it's great to come at it from um from that perspective in a sense that like you kind of you kind of know the world and what's going on but you can still be surprised and I suppose that's the same for people that have read the books with all the added scenes and stuff there's so much that everybody can be surprised about yeah so we really loved how prepared Mary was to go to Chittagatsi. And we made a lot of jokes about it being kind of like she's going on her Duke of Edinburgh award or a Girl Scout trip. And we wondered if you personally had to go on a journey to another world into the unknown, what would you fit in your backpack? What what would you take with you as your essentials? Oh God, well, I, a couple of years ago, I got into camping. So um, I already know what's important for camping. Um, so I'd probably, I, I've probably already got it. I'm, I'm like Mary. I've probably got it already ready to go. I've got the little thing from Decathlon. Amazing place. Um, those little things where it's, it's tiny, but you fit in plates and cutlery and cups and all of the things you need. A little gas canister for cooking. A tent, although I don't think Mary brought a tent. Doesn't seem like she managed to get that in the good shoes the good comfy shoes and uh yeah phone although the tricky thing about mary was in i don't know if you remember this but in one of the books probably amber spyglass there's all of these letters and things in in the is it in uh, right at the very end of the book he, he does it in both books and um mary in one of her little scribbles says i wish i'd had a camera so then at one point we were talking about her having a phone like Will and taking some pictures. And I was like, in the book, she kind of says that she doesn't have a camera. So uh, I don't think I can. But then you're thinking, well, she, she's a modern woman. She probably has a smartphone, right? That she's, so we just never used it, but maybe she'd um, whip it out in the next series. I don't know. Yeah. And earplugs. I wear earplugs when I'm going to sleep every night. So earplugs. Um, and dark chocolate. <laughs> you got to keep the blood sugar up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting about what you said about Mary and a, and a fern. Because even though obviously we know she's from the same world as well, it didn't ever occur to me that she would have a fern as well. She's not really, yeah, someone who's who's uh, on her phone a lot. I wouldn't think it's a, it's necessary for work, but it's not something she's attached to. I don't think she strikes me as the kind of person that might have smashed her phone screen 
two years ago and never got it replaced or something. Yeah, why would you? She's not really taking selfies, is she, Mary? Not really, no. I might move on to some questions that we've had from listeners, if that's all right with you. Yeah, Uh (laughs) uh-oh. An interesting one, Joe asked, was your storyline in season two, was it always supposed to end the way it did? Did Mary have any scenes in the Asriel episode that was lost because of COVID? No, Mary was never in the Asriel episode. There was a few things that were cut and there was one final scene that was cut. Ooh. Interesting. (laughs) A a part of her onward journey was was cut. Saved until season three. Okay. We'll have to try and guess what it is when we get there. (laughs) Yeah. There was a lot of stuff about uh, arguments with with Oliver that were about funding cuts and his relationship with Boreal that was cut because I think when you put it against really dramatic things like witches and you know Japari meeting, um, it, all, it all just was a bit. <laughs> funding cuts really rank very lowly in the priority <laughs> list, so some of that stuff was cut as well. We know that you mentioned already that you kind of like to look forward and you kind of think of Mary's journey as a whole. Mm-hmm. Another excellent question from Joe is whether you had in mind the idea that Mary's playing the serpent through any of the season you did so far and how that might have impacted how you play the character because serpent and being very warm and friendly don't necessarily mesh in the way you think they would. No, but I think it, what what Philip's idea of the serpent is 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 somebody who imparts the knowledge that allows the kids to grow up and and have their own knowledge and have their own awakening so when he, she plays the serpent it's 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 basically giving them the permission to have their their awakening i guess it's not also i i think i think uh, philip probably sees the telling of the story of, you know, Adam and Eve in the garden as being a little bit one-sided. <laughs> I'm not, I don't want to speak for him, but like the serpent is, 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 is the serpent really the bad guy, <laughs> you know, or the person who threw them out of the fucking garden. Like, so there's, there's that as well. And I think they, it just fits in really well with Mary's own struggle with religion and the idea that, you play by the rules and you do everything correctly, but is there somebody keeping a record of all the good things you do and all the bad things you do and how fucking ridiculous that idea is? Um, so it, it, it just fits. So rather than me thinking about her playing the serpent, um, there's an inner journey, I think, with, with Mary all the time where she has to start thinking about those things again and reading the Bible again for the first time. And when that description of, of the serpent being crafty and her going, I'm not crafty. But that that's what, it's not that, that I think of, of Mary's being the serpent, but more, well, what is the serpent? And should we rethink what the serpent is altogether? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That makes me think of another question that we had uh, from Charlie, which was about Mary's past as a nun. Because we don't, um, it's mentioned obviously in the second season, but we don't really see much of that or like Mary talking about or thinking about that that much. How was that for you in in creating Mary the character for you? Did you draw on a lot of, I suppose, like religious 
things for that or is it just something that was in the back of your mind when you were playing her um well i i definitely understand her i think i you know i grew up going to catholic schools in ireland and um when i was a kid i was quite spiritual and um I I think then in my teenage years, I had very similar, I remember reading the books and thinking, oh my God, I've had this very same journey of, of realizing, oh, this is, this is all shit. And, (laughs) you know, I've put all of this energy into this idea of, of, of spirituality and what else is out there and blah. And then just to realize that, that it's quite a lot of perverts in cloaks. Um, (laughs) sorry sorry but you know like uh, around (laughs) unlike unlike mary so i you know the books came out in the so mary was my age in the 90s when philip wrote it i'm from a slightly different generation than mary but in my teenagers and my 20s things came out in ireland uh, there was like the ryan report the murphy report all of these huge things that uncovered the amount of abuse in Catholic institutions in Ireland, and it's still ongoing and all loads are still coming out. So when I think about Mary being this like teenager who's really spiritual and, and maybe suppressing some things um, that then she gets to adulthood and she's like, what the fuck? I don't want to be part of this um, institution anymore. And, um, but still having the curiosity of mind to go, actually, I think the science route is, it, it makes total sense to me. She, as a person, she makes total sense to me. I uh, definitely enjoyed your um, disdain of, of religion because I feel the exact same way. So <laughs> <laughs> I think most readers of this book that tend to enjoy them thoroughly and read them for the rest of their lives probably have very similar opinions <laughs> yeah yeah i look forward to seeing season three the bits that i'm not in where stuff happens season three is going to be absolutely wild i cannot yeah. imagine i know how they're going to do half of it <laughs> i don't either <laughs> <laughs> oh i mean i guess always everybody always wants to know on set behind the scenes Everyone, everyone loves a funny story. Everyone wants to hear what it's like when all the actors are sat in the canteen messing around or like, you know, <laughs> did you get to hold the alethiometer? Did anybody break the subtle knife? Any of these things that you get to hear about behind the scenes, we would love some gossip. <laughs> oh, man, do I have any gossip? I definitely held the alethiometer. That was, I was, I was going to do that. And I did, and I took pictures of it. Um, and I took loads of pictures of Shittagatsi and you're not supposed to. And I did. And um, I would text them to my husband and be like, oh my God, look at this. And yeah. <laughs> so from now on, I probably won't be allowed to bring my phone and stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I, I had lots of fun with um, Robin, who plays Oliver. We, we just basically pretended to be Skeksis for a lot of the time. Just <laughs> anyone that came near us to see if we wanted a cup of tea, we would just be like, yeah. <laughs> so that was good fun. <laughs> we bonded over that. And uh, Jamie Wilkes, who plays the pale-faced man, is a very funny guy. And the set of the Samirsky Hotel was in the studio was right beside Mary's office just crazy so we would just go and hang out there in between scenes um and one of the most fun days was the was the day that myself and Daphne and Jamie did the chase scene where he chases her out of my office um 
because a lot of my stuff was on my own. That was, yeah, I was like, I had loads of people around. And we hung out in the Samirsky Hotel and just had a lot of fun. And I put up some videos of me and Jamie just having the crack on him pretending to be a really weird barman. And <laughs> it was just, yeah, it was just good fun. But like a lot of the stuff was on my own. And uh, I had to talk to the angels. And Dan, our producer, said, uh, oh, we've got a great voice for you, to, uh, for the angel." I was like, oh, great. But it kept making me laugh because it sounded a bit like a Dalek. (laughs) (laughs) So I kept laughing and I was like, I'm just going to keep laughing. We're going to have to get a different voice. So luckily, Amir's acting coach was on set and they brought him in. And he has this really lovely um, voice, really kind of soft, gentle voice. And I was like, oh, perfect. So he sat in the corner of the room by my desk just reading the lines of the angel with me because I kept laughing at the voice they had. <laughs> so, but yeah, so, so, so the, the, the further we went on, the more stuff I had to do on my own. So it was such a joy when somebody else would come in um, and play with me. <laughs> what was it like being in, in Mary's costume? Cause like some of the clothes that she wears are so great. And I personally <laughs> would love to wear them. We spoke to Lin-Manuel who was like, oh, I was wearing like 30 pounds of leather and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Did it help you, I suppose, embody Mary a little bit more, like wearing the costume and all that kind of stuff? Costume is so, so, so important to me um, because uh, people express themselves through the clothes they wear. And if it doesn't feel right then they, everything feels wrong if your costume doesn't feel like how your character would express themselves in that way um but I the first day I went to meet Caroline who's incredible um there was a lot of stuff that just wasn't quite right and it was really important for us to meet each other so she could get um handle on me and 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 we could just try loads of stuff on and then when I went in the second time to meet her literally an entirely different set uh, or entirely different set clothes entirely different wardrobe and then funnily enough the jeans that I'm wearing today these jeans she was like they look you look very comfy in those jeans I was like oh yeah they're amazing jeans and she said where did you get them and I told her and she literally went and bought the jeans for me because she saw how comfy I was in them and she thought that seems right so when she she literally bought in my favorite pair of jeans, I was like, I love it. And then the shirts were really important. Um, and we, we we picked our favorite shirts. And there was one, which is the orange one that has all of the animals on it. And, you know, everything has to get passed up through the producers. They, everyone kind of has to kind of go, OK, yeah, that looks like Mary. And that shirt didn't make the cut first time around. And me and Caroline were gutted because I had already called it the Hester shirt. It was the, the demon shirt because it had like a hair on it. And I was like, but it has demons on it. I have to have that shirt. And then we managed to get it in on the second round. Nice. <laughs> so, yeah, the shirts the shirts were a big thing. And she had a lovely leather satchel and things and the converse runners professional up top but casual down bottom (laughs) it did look comfy yeah it was very comfy (laughs) i guess on the topic of demons did you get a little bit of demon envy of everyone else that got to kind of have these amazing demons and then if mary had one what do you think it would be but we already know what it is oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I guess so. Did that factor into the way you were playing her? <laughs> it, yeah, well, first of all, yes, I do have demon envy because when the others are doing scenes on their own, they still have, have conversations with kind of like what I had with the angel, having someone to talk to and not have to think out loud quite a lot. Um, so, yes, demon envy. And I and I would love to have even seen one of the puppets, but I never saw any of them. And uh, Mary, Mary, it's funny, I, I ha- my 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 demon is um, an alpine chaff, which I was like, oh, OK. <laughs> when I reread the books again, I was like, that seems like an odd choice for Mary. So I kind of read and I, OK, so it's part of the Raven family and it's in the Spanish mountains and they're very resourceful. So, OK, cool. They're quite independent. Oh, yeah, OK, that's that seems quite right. So I my hair and makeup artist Maddie said oh I we had a we had a raven as a pet when we were younger and I was like oh tell me lovely stories about the raven she said they're bastards (laughs) (laughs) and I go oh no and no they can't be and she's like no they're fucking evil (laughs) and they 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 pretend to be dead and they steal all your stuff when they're just really manipulative and I was like stop stop I don't want to hear any more about how evil they are because that's my demon <laughs> um so I'm focusing on resourceful and independent as a um as a thing maybe they'll maybe they'll change it maybe they'll do something different I don't know that is true the controversial goose change is I know still- <laughs> I know I know but really didn't matter that much no. <laughs> uh, a good question that came in from a few people was if you could play any other character from the books Ooh. who would you choose oh god I don't know um maybe Lee he's a great character he's great I mean Marissa's fucking brilliant character um as well but I do like a cowboy <laughs> So do we. <laughs> he's great. He's great. I, I, I think he's, yeah. Um, Metatron, maybe. Oh my God. <laughs> good one. A role of a lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, female characters, I guess Mrs. Coulter, maybe. Um, I mean, all their demons, because I imagine voice acting the demons must be really fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Hester, I mean, the, uh, uh, Chris, Christella, who did that voice of Hester is perfect. I think it's great. I don't know though. Being in a being in a booth doing ADR isn't quite as much fun as being on set. So I prefer to play a character who's on set. When we spoke to Lin Manuel, he said that when they were doing the puppetry with Hester, they had somebody there like doing the lines. So maybe that would oh. <laughs> that would be a good shout to be the actual person on the set that's doing. Yeah, the and Joe, who played Jorick, was there. He was on set, so he did both. Yeah, I'm happy with the character I have. <laughs> She's a great character. Yeah, if I was playing Mary, I would also be happy with that. She has the comfiest shoes. Yes. <laughs> I was just thinking, one of the joys of being on set is kind of getting to interact with those props and getting to feel the physical world. I feel like there's one obvious choice here, or two obvious choices here, but if there was any single prop from the TV series that you could sneak away with and nobody would tell on you, what would it be? I mean, the alethiometer, of course. It's <laughs> incredible. It's so beautiful. Um, I haven't seen the subtle knife. Um, my kid is obsessed with the subtle knife. <laughs> I don't know what that says about him. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, So if I could sneak both of them home, and I, that would be I mean, But we have a third prop coming in book three that I'm going to get to hold quite a lot. 
So I'm very excited <laughs> about that. And I may very well ask them to make me just a little one to bring home. <laughs> oh, yeah, that would be great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's I, the Amber Spyglass is cool. It's very cool. How has the process been of watching the show? Have you been watching week on week as it comes out with your family or did you kind of get the tapes and binge them yeah no I wanted to watch it I wanted to watch it week and week I wanted to sort of experience it the same way that the audience do and and my my son is eight now so he's the perfect age to get really into it so he was like and I would discuss things you know and you're like oh so they cut that scene they did that my son was just like why are you talking about it like that it's just all of it was perfect I'm like oh no I know it's just because I I I, I had forgotten that they were (laughs) he doesn't want to hear about how we filmed things he's so into it so it's actually (laughs) it's a joy it's a joy watching it with him as well every week how is it seeing yourself on screen obviously you've been in the business for a long time but especially playing Mary obviously you were real, like a big fan of the books it must be quite surreal in a way to see yourself playing a character that you've loved for years after reading the books yeah I think that before this the episode two came out and in the introduction of Mary I, w- I was really nervous because I didn't know what the fans of the book would think. I, you know, people who who've never read the books were going to just take her as as it came. But but I was nervous that for ep two, and then I relaxed a bit, and then I was I was able to kind of relax about watching because I was just really really keen to see what everybody else was doing. Um, there's so much more going on in the show that was. I mean, amazing. I loved watching the scene where Lyra and Will are fighting off um, Marissa and and um, Arian. <laughs> Sorry, Arian is the character's name. <laughs> um, but that, like, I, I got properly invested in that scene when I was watching it. So so the show is more fun for me. And then, and then yeah, I kind of get a shock reminder every time I appear and I go, oh, God, yeah, her. Um, <laughs> but but I'm, I'm able to remove myself enough from it to be able to enjoy the show. Oh, this is quite an interesting one. What was the most difficult scene for you to film in any sense of the word? Uh, I'm trying to think because there was so much, but I guess uh, there was a couple of days where I had to do all of the computer stuff on my own and the scenes become progressively more emotional. Um, and that can be hard. It can be hard to maintain your focus when you're when you're looking at a, a screen and, and then there's a whole crew behind the screen. Um, and when there's no actor playing with you, there's literally a guy sitting on the floor behind the desk reading in the lines <laughs> to try and... F- keep your focus and and have that emotional journey but it wasn't like it, it wasn't the hardest thing I've ever filmed it was just of, of all of the things that I had to do that was probably the hardest work I guess. I know for me Mary's office and then the cave itself was a lot like fancier and swankier than I imagined it yeah. when I was reading the books I feel like she definitely has more funding in the tv series than she does in the books yeah did you see her house oh my god yeah <laughs> um how was that for you like that particular set to interact with and did you have to readjust your understanding of Mary's income yeah yeah a little bit a little bit especially the house I think I was like she lives here Oh my God, because as well, I think being Irish, I was like, 
she can't have inherited this house in Oxford. So she she's maybe she lives on the ground floor and somebody else lives upstairs. I don't I don't know how she's able to afford this. So there was the little things um like that, I suppose, being from where I'm from and then therefore Mary being where I'm from and and living in a house like that was a bit of a oh, okay. Um but then I just had to think that uh she was accomplished enough in her career and well paid enough that she was able to maybe rent that place. But the yeah, the office was superb. But I guess it's also it's a TV show. it's not a documentary. <laughs> there 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 has to be, I guess, a bit of fun for for Joel and his designing of things too where we can go, okay, so let's give her a little more money so we can have this very cool office and stuff. Let's give her the Large Hadron Collider. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess, you know, visually, visually it's a lump. It's, it's, it's more of a treat for the audience, I guess. One of the questions that we always ask, well, we've changed it a little bit now that we're into the subtle knife. If you could cut through into any type of world, where would you cut through to? What would it be like there in your ideal place to cut through to? I think right now where my head is, it would be um, very peaceful countryside near the sea because I've been stuck in London for a year. Um, so oh, it would have to be somewhere like that where I could get some fresh air and go for a swim. <laughs> uh, yeah. But then ask me in a year's time when I've had a bit of that, maybe I'd want to something else. But that's, yeah, I think usually that's where I'd want to be. Somewhere just really peaceful, which weirdly sounds like the Malifa world. Yeah, maybe the Malifa world. <laughs> They're fun. That sounds pleasant. Um, and we are both also stuck in London, so oh, okay. feel that yeah. massively. Um. <laughs> yeah, I'm sick of it now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I can, I'm going to ask our usual book one questions because they're just so great so the first one obviously is you Simone what is your demon oh yeah well I mean I knew I was going to get asked this right because every every when we were when the first series came out I saw the cast were getting asked her all the time I thought oh I have to have a think about because I'm and then I I think for me it it was always going to be a robin because um I garden a lot so they they hop around me quite a bit and um yeah i i just like their company i think they, i feel quite at one with them when they're when they're hopping around they're very um nosy very bossy uh very territorial <laughs> <laughs> um but uh, yeah i i quite like their company so i think if i had one i'd like it robin mm, that's a great shout actually yeah they're so pretty to look at too they are <laughs> they're neat little things one of the few birds where the female is just as bright as the male because the orange chest is for aggressive territory, like defending as yeah. opposed to like mating purposes, which I love. Yeah, see, people kind of think about robins as like oh, friendly little things, but actually, a lot of the a lot of the the reason that they come out and look around is because they're saying piss off, <laughs> which I quite like too. Um, they they're fierce little things too, and I'm small. <laughs> amazing and I guess the last thing is if you could ask the alethiometer or the cave or the eating any one question what would that question be oh god I I I don't know yeah see I kind of 
I feel like if you ask one, it's like having one wish. How do you possibly make one wish or how do you ask one single thing? I guess depending which one you ask, you get a different level of vagueness to your answer as well. Yeah. And then you kind of would be like, oh, why did I ask? It's like, look, if you don't get a part in something, never ask why, because you will never be happy with the answer. So I feel like if I asked the lithiometer something, I would probably just be really unhappy with the answer and I'd want a second question. Yeah, I feel that. I feel like I just wouldn't want to mess with it in a way. Yeah, it's like going to a fortune teller. Like it, you find out there's a yeah. really good one. I, I don't think I'd go. I feel like it'd give the answer that you didn't realise you'd asked for as well. Like you'd be like, oh, that's that's not what I meant. I need to reframe it. And then you can't ask it. Yeah properly how you want to ask it and I feel like I'd end up having an argument with the alethiometer which Lyra does sometimes yeah I mean if you had it in your pocket and you could use it all the time then fine but one question no that would melt my head yeah I agree I think that's all the questions we had for you Simone so thank you so much thank you so much (laughs) our listeners are going to be so happy Uh, somebody in our um we have like a discord where we all chat and somebody was like, can you ask her to be the third permanent host on the podcast? It's <laughs> like, yes. I'd love to, although I think it would be really weird for the rest of the cast. <laughs> I'd be asking them very personal questions. They wouldn't like that. <laughs> well, if you ever find yourself at a loose end, you're welcome to become our third permanent oh. host. We'd be happy to have you. <laughs> Thanks, so we can all arrange the snacks because you guys are really good at arranging snacks, the same snacks when you're having... Oh, I we, think we are. So I, I'd happily join in with the snack eating. Excellent. We'd have a snack party. It would be great. <laughs> We'd love to have you back after season three whenever that is, if you'd be up for that. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Excellent. Amazing. All right, thank, thank you, you so, so much. much. Thank you. Oh, wow. How great was that? Wow, wow, wow. Oh, my gosh. So lovely. We even totally managed to hide from you the small technical difficulties that we had that she was so great about (laughs) the scary tech stuff was scary and Simone was great about it that yeah the scary tech stuff was not on our side tonight but you know we bounced back and you would never know except you will know now because we're telling you about it (laughs) I just told on myself (laughs) (laughs) one thing that I did want to say in the outro is if you are listening to this episode with Simone and it's your first time listening to one of our episodes, hello, welcome. Nice to have yeah. you here. <laughs> we want to let you know that we do other podcast episodes and what we do is we read through each chapter of the books, spoiler free. So each episode is a separate chapter and we are currently in the middle of the subtle knife. And we'd love for you to join us over there. That would be really fun. We have a lot of fun. We also cover the TV show episodes and we've done interviews with other people such as Daphne Keane and Lin-Manuel Miranda and a lot of the creatives behind the show as well. So check those out in your podcast feed. And now I'm done with my little promotional spiel. (laughs) Amazing. We love it. Please do come and join our big podcast family and listen to all the episodes. We would love for that to be a thing. (laughs) And to all of you that are here and listen to the episodes anyway, thank you. We we appreciate you. We love you. (laughs) And yeah, a massive thank you to Simone for her time 
Uh, it truly was a joy. We obviously, listeners, if you have listened to our TV show episodes, you know how much we adored uh, Simone's portrayal of Mary Malone. So it was really great to kind of delve into her brain for an hour about her experience in playing such an iconic character. Yes. So great. So great. I feel like I just need to go back and watch the whole series again, but maybe just Simone's scenes because <laughs> that would just be great. Ugh. Yes, perfect. Yeah, we'd love to get her back after season three. We figured out that we all live kind of close, so maybe we could actually be in the same room for that, which would be really oh fun. Oh my god. She can bring a Tupperware full of sandwiches <laughs> in Mary style. Yeah, we can bring the snacks as well. Oh, that'd be great. If you want to follow Simone on social media, you can. She is at Simone1, the number one, Kirby on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, so yeah, go ahead and, and give her a follow. She is hilarious on the social media, I will say that. Yes, and if you're wondering about those excellent uh, Mary Malone, Marissa Coulter comic strips that we were referencing as we were chatting to Simone, I think she has retweeted and liked them, so you should be able to find them by following her. Yes, we have also tweet, uh, retweeted and liked a few of those as well. So. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> Feel free to have a snoop on uh, both of our social medias. Amazing. <laughs> Hopefully we'll be back in your ears soon with some other interviews. Who knows? Who can say for sure? Mm, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Her Dark Materials. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at HDMPod and you can email us at herdarkmaterialspod at gmail.com. You can also visit our website at hdmpod.co.uk. If you want to support us, you can become a patron at patreon.com forward slash hdmpod. We also have a shop where you can buy merch featuring all original artwork from Rich. You can find it at hdmpod.co.uk forward slash shop. I'm Faye, and when I'm not talking to my new pal Simone Kirby, you can find me hanging out on Twitter and Instagram at Faye, which is F-A-Y-E-L-E triple Y. And if you want to read some of my old blog posts, I'm on medium at fay.ducker. I'm Rachel, and when I'm not speculating about the shape of Malefa, I am making cute and magical arty things. You can find me over on Instagram at rachmakes, on Twitter at rach underscore makes, and over in my online shop, rachmakes.co.uk. Huge thanks as always to Johnny Knott for his musical stylings, and a huge thanks to Simone for her time. And don't forget, keep telling stories, and all will be well. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Yes, man.